You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Uh, again, another, uh, just a welcome to our folks watching online. Uh, for those who are unable to attend today because of, uh, maybe because of COVID or for other reasons, we just want to thank you uh, for joining us again and uh, pray that you've been encouraged and blessed already in our time this morning. And we're going to continue in the book of Proverbs this morning. And uh, I was telling uh, someone this morning, as I was going to do my preparation on this particular topic this morning, I started in the morning, I started going through the scriptures, and, and uh, it was a really long day. And by the time I got to the end of the day, I happened to come across a commentary that said, uh, this particular topic has, uh, is, is one-sixth of the book of Proverbs, all right? So uh, we're going to be talking about the tongue today. We're going to be talking about our words today. Uh, one-sixth of the book of Proverbs speaks about the tongue. Um, uh, there's a few kids still in here. Anyone uh, ever hear of the saying, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Anyone ever hear that saying before? Okay, it used to be said around our school grounds a lot when I was a kid. Okay, now why are we, why are we saying that? Well, ultimately we're hoping that whoever was bullying us with their words would just go away, right? So you're kind of like, it's not really counting, it's not really hurting me. Um, in fact, I looked it up, uh, where did this saying come from? It was back in the 1800s, and apparently they had a lot of sticks and stones around, okay, so uh, in the playgrounds. But, uh, so that was like a little disturbing when you think about that. But, um, but what do we find, adults? Do words hurt or not? Yeah, they do. And, and, and oftentimes, the damage done by the words that are spoken go much longer than any kind of break or any kind of bruise or, or whatever the case might be. Uh, and oftentimes, years and years later, those words still hurt. And so as we look at the book of Proverbs this morning, we're reminded that our words are powerful. Like you're doing... Doing this this last week and then thinking about all the words that are coming out of your mouth, like it's a really disturbing, <laughs> right? Like I, I tried to find out how many words do we speak and like if you just on the front page of your internet search, it was anywhere from some said as low as 2,000 and some said as high as 20,000, probably depends on who you are, okay? Uh, but, but we say thousands of words every day, and the question we need to ask ourselves, are those words being used for good? Are those words being used for bad? The tongue is powerful. Neuheiser says this, there's a legend of a king who asked his trusted servant to bring him the most valuable object in the kingdom. The servant returned carrying on a silver platter a human tongue. The king then asked his servant to bring the most dangerous object in the realm. The servant returned again with a human tongue. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so let's not, let's not think about like years. Let's not think about months. Let's just think about this last week. 
How did you use your tongue? Did you use it to bring good and bring life with your words, or did you use it for evil with the intent of hurting people around you? Really, there is, as we've seen in the Proverbs, when it comes to pretty much every topic, there is no middle ground, right? No neutral words, right? Either words to bring life or words that bring death. Bridges says this, born as we are for eternity, no utterance of our tongue could be called trifling. A word, though light as air, may rise up as witness at the throne of judgment to death or for eternal life. Bridges says this, when I think of this dreadful power, shall I not, as Christostom warns, guard this little member more than the pupil of the eye? And so how are you doing at guarding your tongue? When's the last time you thought about your words? Are you in the habit of speaking first and thinking second? Out of the thousands of words that you use each day, what is the percentage of the words that you're using that are being used wisely? Now, before we get into Proverbs this morning, I want us to also recognize that it's not just what we say in 2020. There's a whole lot of texting going on, a lot of emails, social media. So when we think about this topic, it's not just what we say, but it's what we communicate. And I say that because if you go on people's Facebook feeds or whatever the trendy thing is now, I have no idea anymore. I don't really try to keep up with that. But whatever the thing is, if you go on people's feeds, what you see there wouldn't necessarily represent what they would say with their mouths. You ever notice that? And, and so they're really bold to say whatever on Facebook to the world, but not so much in front of people. And so what I want us to be aware of this morning is that anytime we communicate, we need to be asking ourselves, is this bringing life or is it bringing death? So we need Bibles. Everyone got a Bible? Okay. If you don't have a Bible, you may have a phone, okay? Usually we'd, we'd hand out Bibles, but we can't do that these days, right? So you just look it up on your phone. We're going to be looking at the ESV. And uh, as we look at the book of Proverbs as a whole, the book of Proverbs, and trying to stay in the book as much as possible, of course, the rest of the Bible has plenty of say on this topic. But as we look at the, the text today, as we look at the book of Proverbs, we're going to see that our words matter for three reasons. The first reason, our words matter because they ruin lives. Not just others, but your own. They ruin lives. Proverbs 13.3 says this, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Uh, what I love about the Proverbs is just the imagery here, right? Guarding or just opening wide and letting it fly, right? Which one are you? And it says if you guard your, your mouth, you're going to preserve life. If you don't, you will come to ruin. The person who does not think before they speak will be led to ruin. It takes discipline. Proverbs 5.23 says this, he dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he has led astray. Everybody who's of any age knows that it takes discipline to hold your tongue. There are times where you just really, really want to say something. And you know, if you're a believer, there's a little check there, like, 
I really shouldn't say this. I really shouldn't say this. I just want to say this, right? And, and if the emotions are such, you just kind of give in and you go and say things that you ought not to say. Sometimes it's in the heat of the moment. Sometimes it's just you trying to be witty, right? And, and as it comes out of your mouth, you're like, well, that really wasn't that great that I just said, right? But, but we have to think before we speak. That's what it means to guard your mouth. The picture of the one who's opening his lips wide is not, there's nothing going on up here before the words start coming out. They're just letting vent happen in their life. And we need to be warned that if we do that, it will lead to ruin. Here's a few things that can happen if you do not think before you speak. You will make promises that you can't keep. You ever done that? Make a promise that you really can't keep? Maybe it was with the Lord. Proverbs 20, 25. It is a snare to say rashly, it is holy, and to reflect only after making vows. In other words, you could be in a really difficult situation. You're like, oh, like I really want to get out of this. And so, Lord, if you just get me out of this, then I will, whatever the vow might be. We see plenty of negative examples of that in the Old Testament. Men, men making vows that afterwards they realize the cost is so high of the vows that they've made. Maybe it's sometimes it's just out of your exuberance. Well, it wasn't necessarily even out of a, a negative thing, but you're just like, you're just on a, what we would call a spiritual high, and you're just doing really well with the Lord, and you're just like, you know what, I'm going to be a missionary in Cambodia. And then like you start saying like, what did I just say, and what did I just, Right? So, so we can do that with the Lord and we can do that with one another as well. We need to be on guard. Whatever you say, you ought to do. You should ought to follow up. If not, you become a deceiver and you lie. It will bring you to ruin. Bishop Paul says this, if after he has made a vow to the Lord, he later argues within himself about how he can change that holy promise, he is robbing God of his due. We want to be people of our word. What we say, we actually follow through on. If you don't think before you speak, that will be a problem. Another thing that we need to be guard, on guard on is how many words we say. Listen to this proverb, Proverbs ten nineteen. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I mean, that should... Put us on guard right away, right? It, it, the less words, the less chance you're going to have to sin, okay? That's what it's saying here. And so you ought to be, again, person, a person who is slow to speak and think through what you're going to communicate before you communicate it. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Again and again, we're seeing the, the prowers talking about the, the need to, for us to be slow to speak, to, to give thought to what we're going to say. If you're in doubt about what you're going to say, stay silent is the premise, right? Until you have something good to say, stay silent. This is a, one of those great Proverbs, Proverbs 17, 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent, right? 
You may not be the smartest guy around, but if you just stay quiet, people might think you are, okay? And I was saying it ironically, but the premise is there that, that when we, sometimes silence is the best policy. We must guard our tongues. So there's self-ruin by going ahead and speaking too quickly, but then obviously there's the ruin that we bring about by trying to tear down others. Proverbs 11, 9 says this, With his mouth the godless man would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. There's so many ways that we try to destroy with our tongue. I want to just kind of highlight a few of those. Gossip. Gossip. Proverbs 18, 8. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. In other words, this, 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 this idea of gossip, it's so intriguing to us, right? You think about the whole entertainment industry and all the magazines and all that kind of, like billions and millions and probably, I don't know, maybe billions of dollars money of money made by, did you hear what happened with, and did you know, right? And, and, and all we have to hear, like, and you'll never guess what. And like, it's like the hook is set, right? And we want like, what? What? You know, maybe it's on, you know, uh, I, I have some great news, dot, dot, dot. And you put that on Facebook and everybody's like, what do they want? They want to know, right? So not only do we want to tell people the things that we know, we want to hear what they have to say. And with gossip, you're telling people things that you don't have the right to tell, It's not your job to tell it. Orland says this, let's all admit it, we love gossip. We love negative information about other people. We love controversy. We find it delicious, just like this Proverbs talking about. It is a delicacy to our corrupt hearts. We gulp these words down with relish, but the contagion goes down into us and makes a deep impression and leaves us even sicker than we were before. Truly, God is not mocked. I think, I, I, I can't remember for sure, but I think this is in the Respectable Sins book. Anybody guys remember that book by Jerry Bridges? Great book. Respectable Sins. In other words, sins that happen in the church all the time and we're like, eh, it's no big deal. Like, this would be one of those. Like, what's gossip? Is this, you know, I'm just telling them. It's not a really big deal. Do you know, like, the damage that has been done as a result of gossip? I mean, last week we talked about the damage as a result of sexual sin, which is massive. But how many churches have been destroyed because of our tongues, because of gossip going on, and the church winds up divided because of it? Gossip is not something that we should take lightly. By the way, if they're quick to gossip to you, what are they saying behind your back? Right? So, just an FYI there. So gossip... In the same category, slander. Slander is a little bit more like pointed. Gossip, like I was just sharing a story. I was just telling like not a really big deal. Slander is like I'm going after someone. This is intent to tear someone down. Proverbs 20, 19. Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. That's a great word, Right? Do not associate with a simple babbler. Why do we slander? Usually because of our pride. 
because of our anger. Usually it's out of a heart of hatred. I want to tear someone down because they hurt me. Or in my pride, they seem like they're kind of higher on the food chain. I need to bring them down in front of others so that I can go up higher in my thinking. Shakespeare wrote in Othello, he who steals my purses steals trash, but, that, but he that filches my good name makes me poor indeed. How many people have been destroyed by the slander of someone else? And nowadays, I mean, that's front page news, right? The slander. And even if months later, whatever was said about that person was not true, where do you see, the, where do you see that headline? If there is not a headline, it might be on the back page of a newspaper somewhere, but the name has already been tarnished. And so, so much destruction happens through slander. On the other end of it, flattery. Flattery is no less destructive. Proverbs 29.5, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Right? When we flatter people, we tell them what we think they want to hear, whether it's true or not. Anybody watch the early years of American Idol? Remember, like, back when it first started? Seems like it's more like a production now or whatever, right? But back in the early days, it seemed like there was some realness going on, right? And, And you would have these people come on that show and sing, and they were horrible. Remember? And when they were told by Simon Cowell they weren't good, they were like shocked. You literally looked like they were shocked. Because why? Because they had a bunch of flatterers in their life telling them, oh, you're so good, right? Friends and family had been lying to them all along about how great of a singer they was because they didn't want to hurt their feelings. And instead, they came on national television and really embarrassed themselves, right? Flattery is destructive, one other illustration that was given was a preacher who gets up and he's not good. But everyone in the congregation tells him, oh, that was so great. Well, if he's young, he could be like, well, I guess that's what God's calling me to do and gives his life over to a career that maybe he really was never gifted in the first place. Do you see how dangerous flattery can be? Flattery sometimes is because we just like, we don't want people, we want people to like us. Flattery sometimes is a little bit more evil intention involved. I think they could really help me out, so I'm going to make sure I tell them what they want to hear, so then they'll reciprocate by maybe doing some favors for me. But flattery is evil. Flattery is how a lot of things are sold nowadays, right? You'll look so great if you wear that. You'll be so popular if you just buy this, right? We love it. Our wicked hearts love flattery. Let's be honest, right? And, and, and so if you're kind of agreeing, I kind of think I'm a great person already, and you agree with that, like let's, let's just stay with that, right? And, and take away all negativity out of my life, which brings us to the next thing, bragging. When we don't hear enough flattery, maybe we turn it to, to say what we think about ourselves, right? Have you met people like this? They're really great people. Just ask them, right? And they'll be happy to tell you. Even if you're not asking, they'll be happy to tell you. Back to the proverb that was read earlier this morning, Proverbs 27, 1 and 2. 
Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let another praise you, and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. And again, this is getting to the social media thing. You have to be careful about this. What are you, what are you communicating through your social media? Are you a braggart in the way that you portray yourself through all your different social media platforms? Look at our life. It's amazing. Wish, you probably wish you had a life like ours. Is that what it, you're communicating? Or are you humble even in your social media communication? There's bragging, then there's lying. Of course, this lying's really at the root of many of the, uh, much of this. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. How does the Lord feel about lying? He's disgusted by it. That's what an abomination means. He's disgusted by it. He is the God of truth. Satan is the father of lies, and he hates lying. It was through lying that Adam and Eve were deceived, and that trend has continued. Liars continually twist the truth over and over and over again. They try to make themselves look good, and others look bad, and in turn, they destroy everyone in the process. Proverbs 23, man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a war club or a sword or a sharp arrow. Again, sometimes we can kind of rationalize in our mind, like, it's just a little lie, it's not a big deal. This Proverbs reminds us that when we lie, it's as if you took a club to someone, it's as if you pierced them with a sword. It's as if you shot them with an arrow. If you wouldn't do that in a physical way, why would you do that with your words is the point of this. It will bring destruction when we lie. Wordsby says this, when words can't be trusted, then society starts to fall apart. Don't you see that happening? I mean, at whole new levels that we've never experienced before. I mean, I think half a problem we're going through with this pandemic right now is like, who's telling the truth, right? Who is in all of these things? Contracts are useless. Promises are vain when, when we lie. The judicial system becomes a farce and all personal relationships are suspect. There is no intimacy when lying is allowed to go unchecked. You cannot have true community And then there's this quarrelsome speech. As you converse with people each day, you have a choice whether you're going to escalate situations or de-escalate, right? You know that moment. We've all been there, right? Proverbs 18.6, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. There's some people who are just like, you feel like they're walking around with boxing gloves on. They just cannot wait for the next fight, and so you say white, they're going to say black. You say, you know, up, they're going to say down. They're ready to roll. Quarrelsome speech. Proverbs 26, 21. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Once the battle begins, there is no end to the destruction that can happen. As angry people say all kinds of things to one another that they would not normally say. 
Better to stop the quarrel before it begins and drop the issue. And then lastly, in the Proverbs, there's this general category of perverse speech. The Proverbs uh, talks about the kind of speech that takes what God says and then twists it. This is dishonest and wicked speech. This kind of talk tears down all that God ordains is true. Of course, we see all kinds of perverted speech in our world today. Taking things that God has said are good and saying that they're bad. Taking things that God has said is bad and saying that they're good. So how do we guard this destruction? How do we guard our lips? Bridges says this, he who looks carefully to his tongue takes a safe route for preserving his life, which is often in danger by much and wild talking. We must think before we speak. We must think about our words, their substance, their manner, the time, the place, and audience. The unruly member needs a strong bridle and a strong hand to hold it. So as we guard against destruction, there's four things that we need to consider. First, your temperament. Your emotions, where are you at right now before you say another word? Proverbs 17, 27 says this, whoever restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. If you're in a place of high emotion, then you need to shut down the conversation. Don't say anything else. Let's be honest, when our emotions are high, our self-control is low. And so before you get going down that path, you just need to stop what you're talking about and say, hey, can we just pick this up a little bit later? Right now, I just think it would be unwise for us to continue this conversation. Let's just, we're on different pages right now. I think we both see that. Obviously, let's just stop for a minute. We'll pick it up again later. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he is slow to anger, quiets contention. How many painful things, deeply painful things have been said in the heat of the moment? Better to stop the conversation than to continue. Ambrose, Bryce Pierce, Ambrose Pierce, uh, Bierce says this, speak when you are angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. Right? Speak when you're angry and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. When you're angry, you're just going off, right? And you were saying things, and you're so self-righteous at that point. You're so prideful at that point. You don't care who you hurt with your words. You're going to win that argument. You need to shut it down if you're going to guard your tongue. Next thing you need to consider is your tone. Tone matters, right? You can say the same words and have different tone and mean very different things, correct? Proverbs 15.1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger, right? If you say something softly, what does it mean? Yeah, I'm calm. I wanna, I wanna work this out. If you say it harshly, it's like, it's like playing ping pong, right? If you, if you hit it softly, what happens? It draws the person in. 
If you hit it hard, it drives the person back. That's the picture of with our words and our tone. If you're being soft, it will bring reconciliation. You're being harsh, it will further cause division. Next, we need to consider your timing. Consider your timing. Proverbs 27, 14 says this. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. Right? Somebody knocking at your door at 5.30 in the morning. Hey, good morning. It's a blessed day. You would, unless you're one of those crazy people who are actually up at that time in the morning, right? You, you would be like, not a blessing. Not a blessing. How many times... Do we say the right thing at the wrong time? We need to be concerned about our timing if we're going to be a blessing to those around us. And then the last thing that we need to consider is our theology. What is your theology in regards to the tongue? Proverbs 17:4. An evildoer listens to wicked lips, and a liar gives ear to a mischievous tongue. We need to have an accurate view of who God is and who we are. Left unchecked, we are people who desire wickedness, who would speak wickedness. When we surround ourselves with people who do not speak truth, then we will be inclined to listen to lies, and we will fail to listen to knowledge and truth. We need to have our eyes focused on the Lord. This brings us to our next point. Our words matter because they reveal loves. Reveal loves. Who do you truly love? Your words will reveal that. If your heart is not where it should be, then it is impossible to control the tongue in a way that will bring glory to God. It will reveal that you love self and the world and not the Lord. Jesus says this in Luke 6:45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. In other words, you can't get good water out of a bad well. The picture here is if you want to see what's going on in the heart, just start talking. If you had a jar where it was dark and you couldn't see what was going on in it, you'd just pour it out. You would see what was really in the jar. So it is with our hearts. If you really want to know what's going on with your heart, just look at your words. We know this, right? We, we are quick to defend ourselves. But, but when we're kind of going off on someone and they challenge us about where our hearts are at, we're like, I'm fine. I'm, not, I'm, I'm okay with God right now. I just, don't talk to me, right? And, like, and what they're, they're saying, like, look, at your, look what this is showing about your heart. Our words reveal our hearts. James 1.26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And so our words reveal where our hearts are really at. Our social media reveals where our hearts are really at. When kids grow up learning Christianese, they can come to youth and trick you pretty easily. 
But I remember, and I don't know, maybe it's changed now, maybe kids have kind of clued in, but I remember as a youth pastor a long time ago, um, getting on Facebook and being friends with the kids in church and seeing what they were thinking. It was as if they were like, I don't think anyone else sees this. Post, post. And then you had insight as to what was really going on in their hearts. And so our communication reveals to us what's really going on. Proverbs 10, 31 and 32. The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked, what is perverse. You can trick people for a time with your words. Again, if you know the language Christianese, you can learn, you can say the right thing at the right time, but what happens is when your life starts getting shook a little bit, then what's really going on in your heart is going to start spilling out. And so we need to pay attention to what our words are saying about our hearts. Just attending church isn't enough to say the right things. Being a good person isn't enough. You need the gospel. We need a heart change if we are going to use our words in a way that's going to bring glory and honor to God. Again, when you think about words and you think about Jesus, it's an incredible thing to think that he never once sinned with his mouth. Think about that. Not once. When you think about his perfection, it just kind of changes your whole perspective again, right? Like never once did he slip up with the tongue, not one time. Never lied, never gossiped, never flattered, always spoke truth, rebuked when it was necessary. Every word that he spoke brought glory and honor to the Father, everyone. It's incredible to think about that. Living the perfect life, he then went to the cross for you and I. And on that cross, he became that ultimate sacrifice for you and I. Because our sin deserves death. He hung on a cross, and as he hung on the cross, my sin, your sin, all who would believe in him, their sin was placed upon him, and then the wrath of God was placed on him for our sin. And in exchange, he gave us his perfect life, his perfect righteousness. He broke the power of sin and death on the cross for you and I. And as a result of that, you and I now can speak words that would bring life. Because that old heart has been done away with because of what Christ has done. Proverbs 16.1 says this, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In other words, you and I now, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as his children, we have the privilege every day to go to him and say, God, I can't do this on my own. But I'm going to ask you, Lord, would you help me to say words that would bring life throughout the day, all through the day, God, would you lead me? It's difficult, isn't it? Sometimes to know what, what is the right thing to say. Do you ever struggle with that? Anyone? 
Ever struggle with like, what is the right thing to say? I don't even know right now. Think about Job's friends. Did they go there to cause him to be in despair and discourage him? No, they went there because they were going to be good friends and help him out. They did a terrible job, did they not? Right? And at the end, Job was using his words to ask for forgiveness for them. And sometimes we can be really well-meaning, but we need the Spirit of God to lead us and to guide us as to what is the right thing to say. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And so as the people of God, we need to be working on our hearts. God has given us a new heart, but then we need to be people of prayer. We need to be people of the word. We need to get people around us who are going to speak truth into our lives. We need to be growing in our understanding of righteousness. Proverbs 10.32, the lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Neuheiser says this, we speak in the image of God who speaks in creation and in his word. Every time we open our mouths, we are either advancing God's agenda or that of the evil one. It's incredible to think, right? Every time you speak, you're either advancing God's kingdom or Satan's kingdom. And so as the people of God, we ought to pursue wisdom that we might be a blessing to those around us, both to the believer and to the unbeliever. Proverbs 20, 15 says this, there is gold and abundance of costly stones, but listen to this, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Like, do you value what you're going to say higher than, than jewels? Like, that's, that's the focus we ought to have. We, we want to use our words every day to bring glory and honor to the Lord, so we're gonna pursue his wisdom If we're distracted with the things of the world, oftentimes our words are going to reflect that. But when we love him, the Lord Jesus, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then we're able to love others with our words, which leads us to our last point. Our words matter because they rejuvenate listeners. They bring life to listeners. Just as words can be powerful in destruction, they can be powerful in bringing life. I want us to just look at a few different ways that words can be used to bring life. When you became a child of God, you became an ambassador for him. You became a representative of him. And so we look to Christ and we consider that as we use our words, we want to see his kingdom come and his will being done on this earth. And so one of the ways that you can use your mouth for his glory is through encouragement. Through encouragement. Proverbs 16, 24 gives us a beautiful picture of that. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Isn't that an awesome picture? What are gracious words like? They're so sweet. Like you know what it is when someone, when you're discouraged or when you're down and someone comes and they speak words of encouragement to you. 
It brings health to your body, as it says here. It, it's sweet to your soul. Bridges says this, when God is the subject and his spirit the teacher, pleasant indeed will be the words spoken by Christians. This will exceed any earthly enjoyment. And so God uses his people to strengthen and encourage one another. We do so by pointing one another to our mutual hope in Jesus Christ. We do so by reminding each other of who we are in him, what our identity is in him. We do so by gathering together like this and worshiping together and praying together and praising together. Anytime we have a chance to meet, everyone should leave encouraged. That should be our focus. How can we encourage one another? As Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, how can we spur one another on to love and good deeds? So encouragement is one of the ways we can use our, our tongues for God's glory. The second way is through restoration. Through restoration. Sometimes the words that we're going to use are going to first hurt. But sometimes they need to be said. Proverbs 25, 11, and 12 says this, A word fitly spoken is like an apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. No one here is perfect. And so sometimes we need a loving person to come to us and rebuke us, to challenge us in what we're doing and challenging us in what we're saying and saying, look, uh, I don't know if you know, but what you're doing is sin. And can I just encourage you, brother, can I just encourage you, sister, to repent and to turn to the Lord, and I'll help you, I'll encourage you, and we do so with gentleness and respect. With the unbeliever, we tell them the bad news as well as the good news, right? The bad news, you're not near as good of a person as you think you are, Right? You are a sinner, and you have rebelled against a holy God, and the result of that is that you should go to hell. That should be your punishment. But can I tell you the really good news? If you would humble yourself and repent and give your life to Christ, he will forgive you, and you will have life everlasting. Like, sometimes in our lives, we need a person who will rebuke us, so that we might be restored. That's another way that we can use our tongues. If we're only speaking positive things in the sense of like just telling people what they want to hear, you're probably not using your tongue 100% as you ought to. This should be a part of your repertoire. If you're kind of more of like the I don't want any problems kind of person, like myself, right? You're like, ah, this is just going to cause an argument. I'll just, I'll just... That's not the loving thing often, right? Let's do the loving thing. Thirdly, we use bring, words to bring peace. We ought to be peacemakers with our tongues. Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. The people of God should know this better than anyone else. We forgive, why? Because we have been forgiven. And so 
when we have conflict with one another, we ought to be quick to repent and we ought to be quick to forgive because love covers offenses. We love because Christ first loved us. We forgive because Christ first forgave us. And so we ought to be continually seeking to be at peace with all men as much as it depends on us. And even encouraging that in one another, right? If you know someone's in conflict with another brother or sister, encourage them to get things right with one another as much as it depends on them. Even when it comes to our enemies, what do we do? We seek their peace. We pray for them that they might be reconciled to God. We do good to them. So we ought to be peacemakers with our tongues. Fourthly, we ought to use words to be truth tellers. This world is full of lies and deception, and we as the people of God have been given the truth. And so we have the opportunity to speak that into life each and every day. Proverbs 24, 26, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. There's a good one, right? Another great analogy. Whoever gives an honest answer, it's as if they've kissed the lips. What does that mean? It's a sign of affection and trust when we speak truth. Ephesians 4.15 tells us that we ought to speak the truth in love. Wiersbe says this, it has been well said that love without truth is hypocrisy and truth without love is brutality. We don't want to be guilty of either sin as the people of God. And so as we go through life, we speak truth. There should be no deceit in us. There is no half-truths. There are no white lies. We are to speak truth. It is our privilege as the people of God. Neuheiser says this, a truthful witness saves lives. When he makes a promise, he keeps his word, even if it costs him dearly. Even when he might be able to fool men and thus benefit in the short run, he is honest because he knows that God hears every word he speaks. And so those who, as those who want to bring honor and glory to him, as those who know we are going to give an account to him of every word that we speak, we speak truth. As truth tellers, we also speak up on behalf of the defenseless. Going back to that slander and gossip, if somebody starts coming to you with slander and gossip, you just go like this, hey, hey, just stop. I don't want to hear it. You don't just keep listening. You say, hey, stop. I appreciate maybe your heart isn't in the wrong place here, but what you're doing is gossip. What you're doing is slander, and God calls us not to do that. If you have a problem with your brother or sister, go to him. Go to her. And so as truth tellers, we ought to be people like that who are speaking God's word into the situation over and over again. As the people of God, we have the privilege to use our lips also to instruct, to instruct. Proverbs 15, 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. We want to spread primarily the knowledge of this over and over and over again. As parents, we have the privilege to teach this to our children for as long as the Lord will give them to us, right? As 
older men and women, you have the privilege to pass on the knowledge of this to younger men and women from one generation to the next. We have the privilege of teaching this word, and we ought to do it uh, over and over and over again. It's an incredible privilege that we've been given as the people of God. Like, why does God allow that? Right? Why does God mandate that? It is for our good and for his glory. We proclaim this truth within the walls, and we proclaim this truth outside the walls, which brings us to our last thing that we can use our tongues for, salvation, to see salvation. Proverbs 13, 14. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. I mean, that was a really good thing. And, you know, Proverbs and, and, and you know, Solomon talking about that. And I'm sure there was some, you know, practical application that he was thinking of for them. But when you think about this as a believer, when you read that verse as a believer, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. We not only have words for this life, we have words for eternal life. And every day, as we go out into this dark world, we have the opportunity to speak God's truth. We have, and you don't know necessarily what the situation is going to be, right? I just, my neighbor, he's having some issues with the gal he's with, and, and it's, it's a really messy situation. And so we are just talking about forgiveness the other day, so I just kind of slip in like, well, it's like Christ and how he's forgiven us, though we don't deserve it. He has some religiosity in his family, and so I was just like, okay, let's get there, right? We have opportunities to get the gospel in every day. Why? Because we love Christ and because we don't want to see anyone perish, I don't know if the clock is like almost at midnight or not. Do you guys know? Anyone know? Does anyone have that clock as to whether it went, like, is Christ coming back this week or is that like, does anyone know when that time is? Like, we don't want to see people perish. Why hasn't Christ come back yet? Because he doesn't want to see certain people perish, right? That's, that's, we know that based on what it says in Peter, He's, he's, he's tarrying, why? Because there's still people to know about the truth. There's still people to come to a knowledge of him. And so every week, we have that responsibility and that privilege to speak the gospel into this dark world. That little section right here, this motion right here, what better thing could you say than to say, I know the way to eternal life. Do you know the one whose, Jesus, whose name is Jesus Christ? He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. We're here because of him. He is our creator. And we have the privilege, once we're reconciled to him through Jesus Christ, to bring him glory and worship with our mouths, with our words, each and every day. And so, how are we doing? with this little section right here. It's reflecting this. Look, I had some days this last week. I don't know if I had a 50%, or you could ask my family afterwards, if I had a 
positive words versus negative words week. Not a great week. Trevor doesn't do well with lack of sleep, and then it pours out. It starts pouring out, right? What's going on in here? And, and it wasn't a great week for him. And so I just confess that to you guys, and I confess that to the Lord. But he is gracious. You'll forgive. But I pray that next week is a whole lot better than this last week. Because of his grace and because of his mercy in my life, I get a chance to speak life this week instead of death. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that the word became life. We thank you that Jesus came to this earth and lived the perfect life using his words, using his mouth in a way that would bring honor and glory to the Father. And as his people this morning, God, we're praying that you would help us to follow his example. That, God, you would be ever-changing our hearts to make us more and more like you. That we would be growing in righteousness, that we might know the right words that we would say, to say. That, Lord, we would be men and women who would walk by the power of the Spirit and not according to the flesh. That we, again, might speak words of life. Lord, help us to guard our tongues. Lord, when the emotions are there, when we know that if we open our mouths, it's not going to bring you honor and glory, then help us to have that self-control to stop the conversation right there and then until the time where we could, again, once again, bring you glory through our words. God, we love you. We thank you for your, your mercy towards us. Use this this coming week to proclaim life. It's your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.